Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Keith Dyke. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Good morning. guys were teasing me out back or in the back before service, you know, Keith, how much are you going to cry today? I always love that. I told Victor, stone face, no, no tears today. You guys don't sound like you believe me. So we're going to, we're just going to start off. Okay. Um, I was actually supposed to preach next week. Summary of uh, the series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know some things have been going on in the Herndon house uh, family, so uh, we shuffled some things around. So today's going to be like going to the end of the book, because I just felt like what was on my heart was what was on my heart. So you're going to get uh, a little bit of me today, going to cover various aspects of uh, the series, and then Nathan's going to come back next week and actually talk specifically about gifting. Okay, but well, I got some things on my heart. What I want to start out with is summary of uh, some of what Nathan spoke on last week with regard to baptism. And uh, I want to do that because it leads well into gifting, but also want to do that just because uh, there is confusion in the church. And, and uh, so I, I, I am uh, a simple mind, you know. I don't think I'm a dumb person, uh, but I am a simple one. So I enjoy simplicity. So I just want to pull a couple elements, a couple things out uh, right out of the gate here this morning. And then uh, I want to talk about uh, what I think is incredibly important in the church today when we talk about the Holy Spirit and uh, his ministry, and then uh, wrap it up with a little bit of my story and my journey um, and hopefully that'll all help shed light on uh, something in your heart and what God wants to do in your heart this morning. And that's uh, my prayer as we get into this. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit. Have your way here this morning. Baptism. Three elements to every baptism. There is the baptizer. There is the one getting baptized, and there's the element to which they are being baptized in. That's as simple as baptism gets. There are three elements to every baptism, okay? What does the word baptism mean? Immersion. Complete immersion. So we have three elements. One baptizing, the one being immersed, and the thing that they're being immersed into. This is baptism. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. You ready to do a little bit of page turning? I know Nathan did some last week. We'll recap a little bit of that. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 
Baptism number one. Holy Spirit baptized us in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, through though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Sorry, that was verse 12. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And that body is Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Baptism number two. Turn with me to Matthew 28, 13. Matthew chapter 28, verse 13. That's not the right verse. Nineteen, sorry. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What baptism is this? Let's participate. Nope. Water. Thank you. Someone over here said it. This is water baptism. We do the water baptisms here in church, right? The disciple is the baptizer. Water is the element of immersion. And those that are repenting of sin and identifying with Christ's death and resurrection are being baptized. Or that is the baptism, right? So we have Holy Spirit baptizes us in Christ, the disciple. Notice I'm saying disciple, right? Doesn't say pastor, disciple. If you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Christ, you can baptize others in water for the repentance of their sin. The disciple baptizes us in water. Number three, let's go to Matthew 3, a couple pages back. We're going to look at a couple verses on this one. Matthew 3, verse 11. Okay. I baptize you with water. It's one we just talked about for repentance. But he who is coming, Jesus is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Third baptism is the baptism in or with the Spirit. Okay, now notice, not baptism of the Spirit, baptism in or with the Spirit. 
Jesus, the baptizer, believer, the one being immersed, spirit, what we're being immersed in, okay? So in water baptism, you know, we have a pool, a lake, a pond. I've baptized in creeks, bathtubs. Doesn't matter to me. Someone wants to repent of their sin and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. You get me some water. We're doing that thing. All right? Had a beautiful time in Tennessee. We were in public park. Baptized someone in the, in the river there really intimate times and swimming pools over the years, just beautiful times, okay? We have the body of water and we get immersed. When you think of the spirit baptism, what I want you to think about is walking under Niagara Falls, okay? So it's not like a going down, it's a coming down, okay? Let's, go, let's look at another verse, Matthew 3. Let's go to Mark 1, 8. That wasn't a tear. That was just me sniffing. Stone-faced this morning. Mark 1.8, I have baptized you with water, John the Baptist, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, you get where I'm going here? This is... All four Gospels. Luke 3, 16. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. One more, let's go to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 33. This is John himself writing. The disciple. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. All four Gospels, we see this baptism. So three baptisms, three immersions, okay? Baptism into the body of Christ performed by the Holy Spirit. Baptism into water for repentance performed by the disciple. Baptism in the Spirit performed by Jesus Christ. Turn with me back to Matthew 3. Should have told you to keep a finger there. But if you're like me, that'll help warm your hands. In here, my hands are always like ice. 
Matthew 3, verse 13. Jesus is our example. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. We're talking about Jesus' water baptism. Jesus comes to John. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. We just read that, right? To whom you see the Spirit come and remain, which is very important, come and remain, it is he who will baptize in the Spirit. Let me go back here. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want to take a look at this passage of Scripture for a little while with you this morning. But let's turn to the Luke account. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. How are your iPhones doing? Can they keep up with me? Luke chapter 4. So the Spirit descends on Jesus after his water baptism. The heavens are open to him. And a voice says what? This is my son and who I'm well pleased. And I believe that what God was doing here publicly was making a declaration. In the Jewish culture, there was a thing about placement. When a father recognized his son was of age that could steward the house well and had matured to a point, he would place his son and in that placement, the son got signet ring. He could make contracts. He got the family robe, which was significant because that was the name of the family, the robe and the ring. And he got access to all that the father had. So this placement was a pretty important deal, right? I think what we're seeing as Jesus comes out by the water is kind of a picture of that. God the Father is looking at Jesus the Son and he's making a public declaration. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The heavens are open. All God has is available to the Son. And the Spirit descends and remains. Okay? Now what we're going to look at here is post-baptism. And I just want to draw out a couple points. So let's go to uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, did you catch that? And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, immersed with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. 
for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I love that. It shows you the humanity of Christ, right? He wasn't just, you know, walking around the desert for 40 days without eating. I am Jesus. I don't need food. No, he was fully God, fully man, right? So we see the humanity of Christ. 40 days in the desert. I've done a couple uh, 40-day fasts in my day. Um, the first one I entered into uh, stupidly. <laughs> That's a word. Ignorantly. Uh, I had a couple buddies. We were in a Bible study group. Lent was coming, and they said, hey, let's fast for Lent. Okay. That was about as much thought as I gave it. Okay. I was a young, zealous believer at the time. Hey, if it's going to glorify the Lord, let's do it. Right? 40 days. We ate nothing. Liquids is all we did. 40 days. It's incredible to think about Christ in the wilderness. 40 days. Elements. Beasts. Uh, it's raw. It's real. He got tired. He got hungry. And that's when the devil comes a-knocking, isn't it? And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these things, uh, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and uh, showed him all kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him you shall serve only and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Catch this next verse. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus entered the desert full of the Spirit, exited the desert in the power of the Spirit. What I want to talk to you about this morning are a couple points that we can draw from this encounter. First of all, immediately after Jesus' baptism in the Spirit, his immediate response is what? Submission to its leadership, right? To submission 
to the Spirit of God's leadership. I want you to hear this. There's going to be wildernesses. And sometimes the Spirit's the one that takes you there. There are going to be tough things and tough sacrifices and decisions you have to make to deny yourself in order for you to grow in your ability to hear, feel, see, move, obey in the Spirit. When we fast, we are denying physical to tune into spiritual. This is our example. Jesus receives the fullness of the Spirit and immediately goes to a place of self-denial. Although we would posture our heart that way. Jesus is in the desert 40 days in a total denial of self and a total reliance on spiritual provision. That's significant. Many of our New Testament writers had experiences that we don't read about. We just see their exploits. What we don't see is the season of denial. Paul, 14 years. 14 years of listening and training and denial of self and 14 years of tuning in. I think sometimes in our walk, we want to be immersed and move in power. Now, the point I want to make is the wilderness temptations attacks on your identity. If you are the son of God, if you are the daughter of God, when we receive the fullness and when we surrender to God's fullness, the attack is always the same. If you are, if you are. And what that really is is a, a temptation to come out of self-denial and back into self, right? I need, I want. It's about security and insecurity. You are a son and a daughter. The third point I want to draw from, from Jesus' time in the wilderness is this. How did Jesus combat the devil? From the words of God, right? You know what the Bible says? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
I think sometimes when we look at this time in the wilderness, we look at Jesus as some kind of, uh, you all know what an encyclopedia is? Some of you do, right? <laughs> now it's all Google this, Google that. But I think sometimes we just, we look at him as just like uh, the keeper of the word or whatever, you, you know, just like the, the devil said something and he's his brain just, but, well, the, well, God said, you know, I like to interpret this passage when I'm picturing a worn out, hungry Jesus after 40 days and the devil comes a knocking. I pictured it this way. Yeah, well, my daddy said. See the difference? Tears are sneaking up, Paul. Going stung. Well, my daddy said. This is coming out of relationship. Jesus wasn't some Rolodex of scripture. And he wasn't carrying a Bible in the desert. The Holy Spirit called up in him the voice of his father when the devil came knocking. And I look at it like this. My dad's got my back. My daddy said, I love when Southerners say that kind of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, well, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. My daddy said. <laughs> Out of the overflow of Christ's heart, his mouth spoke those words. And when he did, the devil was defeated. Our fullness in the spirit, our operation in the spirit is all about having a relationship with the spirit. The Spirit was with Jesus in the desert. The Spirit communed with Jesus in the desert. Jesus denied all things that would satisfy him physically to nourish that relationship in the desert. And he walked out of the desert having exercised and practiced and learned and operated with and fellowshiped with the Spirit. He walked out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. No tears, just a little. So what does kingdom power look like? When you read the words and he exited the spirit or exited the wilderness in the power of the spirit, what picture immediately jumps in your head? Power of the spirit. I can tell you this in my own personal journey over the years as I'm maturing, things like that grab my attention. Because what I recognize is I don't really recognize a lot of times kingdom power, kingdom authority. I think I know, and then I stop, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Out of the mouths of babes, 
It looks very different often than what we think it's going to look like. Jesus has exited the desert in the power. And what does kingdom power look like? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And I'll speed up because I'm running out of time. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Jesus left the desert in the fullness and power of the Spirit for salvation for everyone who believes. When you move in the fullness of the power of the Spirit, It is for the gospel, for salvation, for everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. I love that. That means when things die, they come to life. Right? When I lay myself down, something of the Spirit comes to life. When an addiction dies, something beautiful comes to life. When fear dies, love comes to life. When anger dies, mercy comes to life. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, Self-control, these are the fruits of the fullness of the Spirit. And that's the resurrection life that operated in Jesus Christ that's in you because you've been placed in Jesus, operate in the fullness of the Spirit, and you see dead things resurrected. Nathan's going to talk next week about gifts, <coughs> manifestations of the Spirit. So I'm going to skip over. Okay, let me go here. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 12. It's all about spiritual gifts. Okay? Spiritual gifts are about your uh, personal place within the corporate body of Christ. Right? We all have 
a role to play. And uh, simplest way for me to just try to express real quickly, um, the gift is the Spirit. Okay? He has expressions through you, which in chapter 12 we call the gifts. He is the gift. Celebrate that. He's the gift. Because I have the fullness of him, he can express any way he chooses to through me. But God is this wonderful God of order, not chaos and confusion. When we get together corporately, you're going to express a dominant way individually so the body gets to what? Rely on one another as we rely on the fullness of the Spirit. Make sense? So we all don't walk in here on a Sunday doing the same thing. So you're... you're Placement in the body is how you're going to express corporately when we're together. You're going to have a, what I call a, a, a dominant grace expression. Okay? This way, I am a shepherd. It's what I do. I've got two main functions when we come together here. Protect and lead you into a place where you can graze. Okay? Why? Because you can't eat if you're nervous about a wolf. See that? I'm telling you, I love getting here early, and it's not just to listen to the worship team, which I love doing. It's because I come in to try and help prepare a safe place for you to worship. That's a big part of who I am. I don't like having my back to things. I don't like um, when people... I can feel something in my gut immediately when, when there just isn't safe. Something's not right. You're not safe. I can, that just goes in me, right? And I can't do anything until I address that thing because I know you can't do anything until that thing is addressed. And that's my role in the body. Someone else can walk in here and just be totally clueless to that. That doesn't make them wrong. They're looking to do something else, and that's how God's expressing through them when we get together corporately. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's chapter 12. This is what I want to show you. We often get hung up on chapter 12. The manifestations of... Chapter 12 ends with this verse. Now let me show you a more excellent way. And it moves into 13, which is all about love. So quickly... I tried to find my journal this morning that has this encounter in it. And I couldn't find it. Found every other journal I have. Back to the one where my first writing was the day I got saved. 
That was pretty cool, by the way. Just seeing that again. Being reminded of that day. Probably about a decade ago, I'm guessing at that time frame, but it was a little while ago now. I was growing in the Lord and was having a wonderful time in ministry and uh, was being used. Uh, But I came to a place where I literally said to God, I don't know how to be, I don't know how to be intimate with you. I'd love to study and, and all those things are good and have their place, but I just recognized I just didn't know how to love him. Just, just love him. Through the course of a summer, I just had a beautiful three months of sitting with the Lord of just enjoying time with him, of learning how to love him, pursue him, to let some guard down, let him be what he wanted to be to me, a father. And uh, my mom went away for a mission trip, so I had to take care of her dog. Now at the time we lived here and my mom lived at the bottom of the hill, family property that we had built on. So it was a short walk every morning. I'd go down, Bible in hand, journal in hand, get the dog squared away, let him out. And I'd sit on the uh, porch swing on her front porch where I grew up. And uh, I'd just meet with the Lord. And I don't know how to describe this part, but did you ever just know that you know that you know something? You You just know it? Well, I woke up the one morning. It was just another morning that week. And there was some kind of crazy excitement in me that Jesus was gonna meet me on that porch in a different way that morning. And I got called into court. It's when I was police officer. And I remember being so disappointed. I had to go to court and I was gonna miss it. And Jesus whispered, I'll be here tomorrow. Next day, I was more excited the day before because I had to wait a whole day to get down to, and I don't know why, I just knew I had to meet him on the porch. So I went down and I met Jesus on the porch that day. And Jesus poured out on me the fullness of his spirit. I had been asking for things for years, but I was asking for gifts and not the gift. I was asking because I wanted to perform for him, not because I loved him. And over a series of beautiful months and meetings, he broke down some things in me and just allowed me to be who I was and allowed him to be who he was. How many of you know in order to be baptized, there has to be a surrender? I've got to be willing to get into the water. That morning, I was just willing. Whatever you had, Jesus, I didn't know what was coming. And in the most intimate of encounters that I have ever had, 
Jesus filled me with his spirit that morning, the fullness of his spirit. And I'm not ashamed to say I danced on my mom's lawn like a fool. And if you've seen me dance, it's not hard to picture. I'm sure I looked absolutely foolish. I spoke in a tongue I didn't understand. And I wept and I laughed and it was incredible. My desire for you is that you have that level of intimacy with the Lord. That was a really condensed version of my experience to time's sake. I want to say this. Why all the controversy about tongues? Here's my thoughts. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the words of God. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think of the implications of this truth. When God's heart overflows, he speaks, and God always creates when he speaks. Out of Jesus's overflowing heart, he spoke. People were healed, set free, introduced to God and brought into the kingdom, right? When the Spirit descended on the disciples, they spoke in tongues that people understood. Paul says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, whether I speak in the tongue of men or the tongue of angels, if I have not love, I'm a gang, clanging symbol, right? Why all the controversy? So we focus on the speech and not the heart. The devil's trying to get us to look at the wrong thing and keep us wound up in that. Here's what I have to say to you. It doesn't matter what language you speak. What matters is what's overflowing from your heart. The expression is beautiful. I get moved to places in the Lord's intimacy that I cannot put a word to describe. And in that moment, I'm thankful that the Spirit can intercede on my behalf. And that's the beauty of the language. You ever read Revelation? You think John had a hard time getting into words what he saw in the vision? I think so.
language isn't the important point, never was. Whether tongues of men or angels doesn't matter. The encounters that we can have in Jesus are too great for earthly words often. Encounters so full of love and grace and mercy that the human tongue needs spiritual expression. My question is, what's overflowing from your heart? How is your heart postured before the Lord? And what's overflowing? The tongue doesn't qualify for you for anything. It just expresses overflow. In all three baptisms, we see the need for expression. All three. And my point today, I hope you don't miss it, has nothing to do with tongues. It has everything to do with intimacy. Desire to pursue love. You know how Paul comes out of chapter 13, pursue love, chapter 14 starts, pursue love, earnestly desire the gifts. Pursue love. Acts chapter 2, this is my close, where the Spirit is poured out. Acts chapter 2, verse 12, we see this question What does this mean? And Peter goes on to preach in power the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. The hearers respond this way, what shall we do? And Peter's response is, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, come to you this morning and simply ask for intimate encounter. I pray if there are those that are listening today or sometime in the future that they will hear and desire to pursue you. You are love. I pray that their desire would be for their heart to change into a more loving heart. And I pray that the pursuit of intimacy with you would lead to the fullness of who you are the fullness of what you can be and the fullness of who you are in them 
so that they can be the fullness. Moving in power, the gospel, saving grace of Jesus Christ, looking like he looked, doing like he did, motivated purely in love for the glory of his name. I pray that when you show up, our hearts would be inclined to say, what does this mean? And what shall we do? in response to the promise, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're not trying to trick, confuse us, hide from us, that you say, if we ask for the Spirit, how much more will you give of your Spirit? May today be a day where we surrender to the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org. 